Welcome to episode 23 of Unfolding Words, when your worship and God's willingness meet. I'm your host, Antracia Moorings, and every week I come and share biblical truth that offers light for your walk and life for your soul. Now, I must confess I am a podcast junkie. I have been for quite a few years, even before they gained the popularity that they have now. And my personal podcast listening queue has grown quite a bit. And I know yours probably has too. So I so appreciate that you come back week after week, those of you who are regulars, and you fit me into your weekly schedule. I so appreciate that because I know time is limited. So I just want to thank you very much for that again. Now, we're going to be talking about how the Old Testament and the New Testament are linked briefly. And if you don't read the Old Testament, you're missing out on a bunch of symbolism that links the New Testament to the Old Testament. And the book of Matthew is a great example of how the New Testament writers who would have been steeped in the Old Testament bring the Old Testament into full view in the New Testament. Matthew does a superb job of this. He opens up the book of Matthew by tying Jesus to the Old Testament and establishing Jesus as the son of David, David and Abraham. And he does this in chapter one, verse one. He uses the Old Testament and a lot of symbolism to convey this truth. Matthew's main goals are to establish Jesus as the Messiah from the line of David. Also, he wants us to know that Jesus is the new authoritative teacher like Moses was in the Old Testament. And finally, he wants us to understand that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 4 in the ESV. And this is a story of how Jesus cleansed the leper. And I'm going to read these verses briefly. It says, when he came down from the mountain, that is Jesus, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to see how Matthew brings in Old Testament symbolism. And he does this right away um, in the beginning, but also in this chapter. So we're going to look at how he contrasts this with Moses, this Jesus coming off of the mountain, with Moses who came off of the mountain, veiled after receiving the Ten Commandments for the second time in Exodus chapter 34. And here in chapter 8, the glory of God is unveiled in the form of Jesus walking amongst the people after he had just come down from the mountain after delivering the Sermon on the Mount. And as soon as he comes down, he encounters a leper. And in the Sermon of the Mount, which is chapters 5 through 7, immediately preceding this, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And in this chapter, he will now begin to demonstrate the kingdom of God through powerful and miraculous deeds. In the Old Testament, God was not to be touched or handled. Now, we know God was a spirit. He could not be seen as a person, but the presence of God was not to be touched or handled. So think of the tabernacle 
everything that had to do with the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, which represented his presence, could not just be handled or touched by any common person or in any common way. And we read in Leviticus, which is all about um, how the people of God were to be clean and to live in his presence. That whole book is about how they are to be ritually clean, to even live amongst the presence of God. But in the New Testament, Jesus goes into the world touching all manner of uncleanness and cleansing it and healing it. Now, let me give a little background about leprosy. This man came to Jesus after he had just delivered the Sermon on the Mount, and he had leprosy. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says this about leprosy. While many infectious diseases leave no indelible effect on skeletal remains, diseases such as leprosy appear in the skeletal record as bony lesions, atrophy, and deformation. Paleopathologists have diagnosed leprosy in remains from various archaeological, archaeological periods of the Bible. Leprosy has disastrous effects on the human skeleton due to atrophy of the bones, especially in the face and the extremities. So while we know that leprosy is basically a skin disease, the effect that it has was much more far reaching than the human eye could see. And then Easton's Bible Dictionary says this of of leprosy. Very interesting. Leprosy was the outward and the visible sign of the innermost spiritual corruption, a meat emblem in its small beginnings, its gradual spread, its internal disfigurement, its dissolution little by little of the whole body of that which corrupts, degrades and defiles man's inner nature and renders him unmeet to enter the presence of a pure and holy God. The skin diseases are detailed in Leviticus 13. So here's the deal. If it was a new infection, the person was to be isolated for seven days, followed by an additional seven days if no change had occurred. If there had been a change in the infection after 14 days, the person was considered clean. And if there was a change, the person was considered unclean until the infection disappeared and thus indefinitely. The priests played a very important role in the life of a leper. In Leviticus 13, there are 11 instances of where it says, he shall pronounce him unclean. And there are seven instances where it says, and he shall pronounce him clean. Now, a mention of a person being clean or unclean without an announcement of a priest was unrare. The priest was the one who determined where you stood according when it came to being clean or unclean. And notice that the word leprosy also dealt with mold that was in or contamination that was in your clothing as well. So it wasn't just skin. It was anything infected by it as well. Now, when a person was pronounced unclean, that diseased person had to live alone outside the camp, wear torn clothes, keep his or her hair disheveled, cover his or her upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And you'll find this in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and through 46. In order to be considered clean, the person had to go to the priest. There was an official cleanliness ceremony, including the cleaning of the clothes, the shaving of the hair, and a ritual cleansing. Additionally, at least one lamb, if the person was too poor for multiple lambs, or a bird could be used as a substitution. And flour and oil must be given as an offering, which was outlined in Leviticus 14. So if you had leprosy, it was a big ordeal to get clean, 
even if you were pronounced unclean, it was a very complicated life for someone who had leprosy. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. When Jesus came off of that mount and confronted or was confronted by the, the man with leprosy, his, the fact that he healed this leper was a dramatic place for Jesus to start after he established his authority as the one who could heal and cleanse. Because there had been no record of an Israelite being cleansed in the entire history of the nation, except for Miriam in Numbers chapter 12, verses 10 through 15. Miriam spoke out against her brother, and then after he interceded, she was cleansed immediately of leprosy. But there was no other mention or occurrence of that until this in Matthew. This is a big deal for this man who had leprosy. Now, in the first century, the Jews expected the anticipated Messiah to be a political and a military deliverer who would free them from the Roman Empire, restore the Davidic kingdom and the sovereignty of Israel and cleanse Israel from all Gentile influence. They had their own idea of what the Messiah's kingdom would look like. And Jesus had a different cleansing in mind. He had a cleansing from sin in mind, and his kingdom would look nothing like the one that the Jewish people imagine. People with leprosy in the New Testament are the ones who are cleansed. Notice that when you're reading through the Bible, they're never healed. They're always cleansed. And when the term leprosy is used, it does not refer to what we know today as leprosy, which is Hansen's disease. It's a totally different um, disease altogether. Now, according to Jewish law and customs, People had to stay six feet away from a leper. If the wind was blowing toward a person from a leper, they had to keep 150 feet away. The only thing more defiling than contact with a leper was contact with the dead person. Now, imagine you as a leper. You talk about being ostracized. You are beyond ostracized. You're one step away from being considered dead. In the Middle Ages, if a person became a leper... The priest would put on his stole, he would take a crucifix, and he brought the person into the church and read the burial service over him. For all human purposes, this man was considered dead, or this person who had leprosy was considered dead. So that just gives you an idea of the gravity of walking around the world with leprosy. In the Old Testament, A high priest who touched a leper would have been unclean and unfit for temple service, which was a serious penalty. Touching someone with leprosy should have made Jesus, who was a high priest, unfit for service. But instead, Jesus turns that rule upside down. He touches the leprous man who knelt before him. Now, Jesus just came off of this mount with thousands of people in his presence. And so I'm sure... Thousands of these people saw him doing this and were probably outraged and shocked. Now, one more thing about leprosy in the Old Testament. Unclean people were required to perform a purification act and wait a period of time, which I mentioned earlier. In the New Testament, Jesus touched the unclean person to cleanse and and purify them. This illustrated that Jesus holds the power to transform the lives of individuals. This man was cleansed immediately, the scripture says. He didn't have to wait for a purification service. He didn't have to wait to go through all of these rituals. He was immediately cleansed by Jesus' touch. With one act, Jesus broke the law and fulfilled it in several ways. First, 
Jesus welcomed the leper into his presence. Now, we already know you had to be so many feet from a person who had leprosy, but Jesus did not turn this man away. He invited him into his presence. Second, Jesus allowed the leper to walk in and among the large crowds of people that surrounded him when he came off of the mountain. That endangered everyone there, both the physical contagiousness of leprosy and the infectious ceremonial uncleanness. It threatened all of the others. And finally, Jesus, and probably worst of all, reached out his hand and touched the man. According to Mosaic law, as I mentioned, touching the leper, Jesus himself was made ceremonially unclean also. But in breaking the law, Jesus fulfilled it completely, both in the intent of the law, which was protecting the community from physical illness and spiritual infection. And in its application, he declared the man to be clean or free from leprosy. In that single act, Jesus demonstrated that he himself superseded the law and all possible forms of uncleanness. He instantly banished this incurable disease and fully restored the former leper to right standing with God and humanity just like that with one touch. It was a stunning miracle. It was both illegal and obedient at the same time. And that's how Jesus walked around in the world. He was such a a study in contrast. People didn't know which box to put him in. And so it was confusing and joyful, joyful for the man and his family, probably, and confusing for all those who knew the law and what the law required. It reminds us that Jesus is not safe, but he's good. And if you're a regular listener, you know that I talked about um, Jesus being safe, um, being not safe, but good in episode 20. So if you haven't heard that, you can take a listen to that. After Jesus cleansed the leper, Jesus told the man to go show himself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. So while he seemed to break law, now he is requiring the man to follow the law. So going to the priests would also bring the former leper back into society. Jesus wanted the cleansing of this man's leprosy to have the full benefit. So the gift that this man was to offer was two living clean birds, some cedar wood with scarlet and hyssop. This was according to Leviticus 14 and 4, which were to be brought for his cleansing. And then when he was clean, two lambs, one ewe lamb, three-tenths deals of flour, and one log of oil. But if the person was poor, then he could bring one lamb, one-tenth deal of flour, one log of oil, two turtle doves, or two young pigeons. So Jesus wanted him to follow the law and bring an offering to these priests. But it wasn't just so that he could follow the law. With Jesus's one act, he brought about many results. Jesus demonstrated his authority over sickness and disease, and he authenticated his message. Later on in Matthew 11, John the Baptist asked if Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus will answer, but he will include the cleansing of lepers as a messianic sign. So when Jesus ordered this man to go show himself to the priest, the priest would examine him and then verify that the leprosy was completely gone, and then they would carry out a purification ritual, which really wasn't required because Jesus had already done all the work. But this act, this miraculous act alone, would show the priest who followed the law to the letter that Jesus was 
greater than the law. Jesus was showing not just this man that he was Jesus, but he was showing the priest that he was the Messiah who had authority over everything. Now, what I love about this passage is that the crowds were gathered, but Jesus's divine gaze was locked on this outcast leper. Now, leprosy is a a vivid picture of sin. Leprosy was, according to the Old Testament law, a disease that made a person unclean. He was pronounced unclean by the priest, put out of the camp of Israel and isolated from society. And everything that the leper touched was defiled and unclean. And leprosy is just like sin. It is a spreading disease. It corrupts the whole life of a person until he is destroyed by it all together. And we see how how quickly sin spread when we go back to the book of Genesis in the beginning. Immediately, sin spread like a wildfire. And that's a picture of leprosy. That's showing us a picture of how sin is. The leprosy of sin corrupts the entire human race. It touches our lives. It touches your life. And it's spread through all of the members. It has, like sin, shut us outside of the camp and made us far off from God. But leprosy, like sin, is an incurable disease, but it can be cured by the touch of Jesus. Now, notice that lepers were never sent to a doctor. They were only sent to a priest. But all the priest could do was look at the leper's condition declare him unclean and shut him out of the camp. That's where his power lie. There was, those were the boundaries of his power. He can do it. He could not do anything for the leper. Now the whole Levitical law concerning lepers and leprosy shows us the nature and the use of the law. It identifies our leprosy, concludes that we are lepers and declares that we're unclean. But it does nothing to help or change our conditioning. That's what the law does. The law points out what's wrong, but the law can never redeem us from what is wrong. Nothing but the precious blood of Jesus, nothing but his stripes that were inflicted upon him can heal us of our disease and cleanse us from the plague of sin that stains our hearts. I love the picture that this is painted here using leprosy. We are polluted by sin, but the presence and the work of God cleanses all of that. We don't have to bring ourselves clean before God. He does that for us. We don't have to try to clean ourselves up. That's Jesus's work. And so often we see people say, you know, before you come to church, you need to dress a certain way. You need to act a certain way. And then you can be saved. But that's not how Jesus works. We come into his presence with all of our mess. And he is willing to cleanse us. I think of that character Pigpen in the Peanuts cartoon strip, Charlie Brown. Everywhere he goes, he has this cloud of dust with him. And everybody knows here comes Pigpen because of the dirt around him. That's just how we are in God's presence. We come with all of our mess. We Initially, we know we now after we get saved, we don't just keep we don't just wallow willfully. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that when we come to God for salvation, we can come knowing that he will clean up any mess that we are in, financial mess, relationship mess, any sin that stains our heart, sexual sin, anything. The work and the touch of Jesus 
can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The miracle happened when that leper stepped out in faith and knelt in worship before Jesus. The leper's single act of worship ignited Jesus' willingness to take away his unclean state. Jesus is more than willing to clean us up. All we need to do is come before him in worship and in faith. It's that simple. Malachi chapter 3 verses 2 through 3 say, But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. So when we, like this leper, come before him stained with sin, with no hope for cure, Jesus is like that refiner's fire that burns away everything that's unlike him. He's like that fuller soap that cleanses us fully. And then he purifies us, the sons of Levi, because we are priests of God. And then he refines us like gold and silver, and we can then bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord, just as this leper did. He was able to bring his offerings in righteousness because he was now in right standing because of what Jesus did for him. So don't ever think that what you have is too messy for the Lord. It's not. All you need to do is bring your worship and the Lord is more than willing. I pray that you were encouraged today by this message. I know I sure was. And if you'd like to share your story of worship, your worship meeting God's willingness, you can use the unfolding words hashtag to continue the conversation on Twitter or Instagram. Or you can leave a comment on my blog at unfoldingwords.com backslash blog backslash episode 23. I'd love to hear from you. Or if you just want to share the episode online, please use the hashtag unfolding words. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Be blessed.